Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career in life. Today's episode number 380, Becoming Best-Selling Authors and Publishers with Andrew Watts and Jason Casper. So, you know, in skydiving, I keep a logbook, but in base jumping, I, I was terrified that anybody would find out I did this because I would have been kicked out immediately. So I just had a, like a Word document, you know, buried in my computer that I would take out. Like I'd come back from the jump at two in the morning or whatever, and then I would sit there and document the jump. And then I started writing these longer and longer accounts of the jump and the experience of like being, you know, standing on the edge of a 1500 foot antenna and kind of like relive, you know, the experience of doing that. So I, I kind of got into writing that way. And then one day, just as a cadet, I just came up with a concept for a protagonist and just wrote a scene off the bat, just sitting in my room where, you know, he went against an opponent, both met guns and, you know, had an armed engagement, killed this guy, walked away and just had a complete adrenaline rush from it. Like looking at the door, waiting for the cops to come in type um, adrenaline. And that was when I kind of discovered the liquid crack of writing. Well, I'm so excited to start off 2021 with uh, an interview that was so much fun to do. Um, back in 2017, in episode 95, I interviewed Andrew Watts, who was a military veteran who became a full-time author. And um, we reconnected for today's interview, um, adding in Jason Casper. And um, a couple things that I loved about this interview. So just for context, Andrew um, is a writer who is still a writer, but now also started a publishing company, the Severn River, River Publishing Company. And he publishes uh, over 20 different authors now. So we talk about that journey since our last interview three years ago. Um, and Jason is a um, another military veteran, best-selling author, and um, now works with Andrew, and Andrew publishes his books. Um, although this is a story of um, maybe we'd call it the arts of people becoming veterans, becoming published authors and extremely successful ones at that. Um, what I really appreciated comparing it to my own background in entrepreneurship is the number of parallels this has for any form of entrepreneurship, of paving one's own way, of taking a, uh, making a bet on oneself, of really learning a craft. And I think that that's an element that will come through for listeners with both Jason and Andrew is how much each of them have devoted themselves to perfecting their art and their craft and how much they use persistence and discipline to succeed in their chosen vocation. And so regardless of your career interest, whether or not you're interested in entrepreneurship or writing or whatever else, I think there's an element here to learn about that discipline, about that constant sharpening of one's toolkit to get better. So um, as always at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes with this, uh, with all the things that we discuss in this interview. I do want to give a plug and there is no financial incentive for me to do so, but um, I really just enjoyed meeting Jason. He has a new book coming out on January 15th, 2021 called The Enemies of My Country. Um, I will put a link to that in the show notes, but I'd encourage you to check it out, whether it's on Kindle, whether it's on Audible, whether it's in a physical book. Um, and uh, with that, let's dive into my conversation with Jason and Andrew. Well, I have two guests today. So joining me in Mason, Ohio, rejoining me is Andrew Watts and joining me in Cary, North Carolina is Jason Casper. Andrew and Jason, thank you both for uh, joining me. How you doing? Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. And, and for listeners who do not get the privilege of seeing these men on video, you should know that Andrew's hair is just completely <laughs> out of control. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I, was, I was not aware there would be any video. Uh, I had to, I couldn't, couldn't pass that up. Um, well, for listeners, longtime listeners, um, you may remember Andrew from episode, uh, God, it was in the night in the episode, uh, 95 Andrew Watts, Navy to full-time author. We spoke back on May 3rd, 2017, and, um, just really honored to have him back. I loved that conversation. I, I have so much respect and curiosity around people who make a living, uh, 
writing. And Andrew is one of the, not just few veterans to do that, but just few human beings to do that. And so for listeners, just to give you a layout of how we'll, we'll approach the conversation, um, the, the first uh, segment, I'd love to just kind of get an update from Andrew, because um, not only is he... Um, not only is he an author, but he's also the founder of Severn, Severn River Publishing. And that then brings into the story Jason, who is another military veteran author, but is, is working with Andrew as part of Severn River Publishing, or as, as one of the, the books that they publish. So let me give some quick bios here. Uh, Jason is a former Army Special Forces officer and a U.S. Today best-selling author. His new book, the Enemies of My Country releases on January 15th, 2021. And Andrew is also a USA Today bestselling author, and he's the founder of Severn River Publishing. He graduated from the Naval Academy in 2003 and served as a naval officer and helicopter pilot until 2013. Um, so Andrew, maybe to start us off, um, I, don't, I don't think when we spoke in 2017 that you were an author and a publisher. And um, I'm just kind of curious What's what's the story behind? At what point did you did you actually found your own publishing company? So uh, I I think there's a a line from Seinfeld where uh, Jerry is talking to to Newman about you know why all the people in the postal service like lose their minds and go crazy all the time and and he says something to the effect of like because the mail never stops you know <laughs> and and so I think I was seeing the the writing on the wall that as I if you're gonna be an indie writer, if you're going to self-publish and, and kind of build your own brand and, and do it all by yourself, it is a grueling pace that you have to keep up to continue to produce content like that. And I mean, as, as you probably know, in the, in the podcasting world, you have to constantly be working on the ne next thing. And um, if I, I was just thinking if I left uh, a, a good job at Procter & Gamble and brand management and uh, supply chain management. And if I was going to continue to feed my family and pay the, pay the bills and pay the mortgage, I, I just kind of wanted a little bit more uh, stability uh, and, you know, have a constant steady income. And with books, it can, it, it rises and falls, you know, the sales, when you launch something, it does really well, but then it, you know, maybe six months later, nine months later, it starts to, the sales start to fall as new books are released and readers are looking for something else. And they've already, you've kind of saturated that group of readers and everything. So part of it for me was just diversification. Uh, I, I was looking to diversify my revenue streams. And um, I knew I could only produce, if it was going to be a good book, I could only produce so fast. Uh, and that I, I also, I think because of the training that I had at P&G with marketing, and just the, the research that I'd done on my own, how to self-publish and, and all the things that were necessary to compete, especially in places like Amazon and online uh, book, on the online book market. I, I think I, I learned a lot about uh, business. I mean, it is, so the place they had me at, at Procter & Gamble, the, the job I had was called New Business Creation. And it was kind of like that scene in the Matrix where they like hook you to the machine and he wakes up and he's like, I know Kung Fu, you know, like I, I spent a year in that business and our, my job, I was one of, you know, a handful of marketers and our, our job was basically create a billion dollar business. And cause that's easy, you know? And so, uh, you know, they, they put me in that job for a year and I came out and I was like, I know how to do business, you know? So like, I, I, I felt like, uh, I really wanted to grow something. Part of the reason I went there is cause I wanted to be in charge of a business and I wanted to grow something. And I think those combination, that combination of, uh, the desire to, to run my own business, to grow something from scratch, to make it big, um, and my own interest in writing, my passion in storytelling, uh, I think those kind of combined. And then I just happened to be blessed by having a lot of people that, uh, that sort of fell into my lap one way or the other uh, that were great writers. And I think it was a, a good combination that we were able to, to make it work. And I, I know so little about the publishing industry, but am I am I kind of in the right ballpark of thinking that 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 portion of your business is about identifying promising writers and then 
they they write the book, but you're really about helping them get the exposure and helping them sell as successfully as possible. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is like business management and marketing. Uh, so a lot of it is pro- project management. So um, for instance, you know, you one, it, you got to at back at PNG, you know, when we develop a new product, we wanted to know what are the consumers looking for? We want to make sure that even from the start, the, from, from conception of the idea and the, and the project, everything has to be built into the market and what, the, what does the consumer actually want? What works well as far as the title, the book cover, the subject matter. And then you've got to have somebody with chops that can actually write a story and write a good book because otherwise you're going to get negative reviews and you're not even going to be able to advertise it. Um, so you, you got to have, you got to have chickens to make chicken soup, you know, but um, yeah. So as far as what does a publisher do, which is I, I think what you're getting at. Uh, so they will, they will help to uh, create the book. They'll manage the editors, the cover design, uh, the branding, all the metadata, the keywords and the categories and uh, where, what markets they're going to sell, uh, how much money they're going to advertise. They, they will do all of the advertising, how they're going to advertise, reach out to. So for instance, you know, Jason has a book coming out in January. So we have reached out to a ton of different media outlets for publicity. A lot of them have um, ties to military interests or veteran interests uh, because we know that his, uh, his fan base, a lot of them have military interests or veteran backgrounds and everything. So we're trying to find people where, you know, his product is relevant to them uh, and match that up. And then we, we put a lot of money and time and effort behind it. We want to polish it and make it as good as possible. And we work closely with him, with narrator, audiobook narrators. Uh, we, we translate the book into different languages and we sell it in different marketplaces. Um, and we have uh, developed an expertise in digital advertising. So Amazon ads, Facebook ads, all, all different types of, uh, you know, online advertising uh, techniques. And we put it all together and it miraculously skyrockets and, and turns somebody like Jason who has the chops into a USA Today bestseller, you know, so. How, how much... Um how much does that research play a role in what is, is written? Like, is, is it, um, is it as far that you would say like you, you do the research and then you, didn't you come to someone like Jason and say like, Hey, we know that a book that hits on X, Y, and Z will, will do well. Will it's like, are you almost commissioning them or is it more the fine tuning of, of their book to fit in with these trends? So it, it's, it's funny um, because I think different entertainment industries do it differently. So in, you know, in Hollywood, I, th- I think uh, they'll get scripts sent to them all the time, but a, a lot of times people will, will have an idea and then they will go hire, hire a showrunner, hire a team. Of, they might get source content, which is like a book or a podcast or, you know, some old cartoon or something, the Transformers, you know. They will get source content and then they will get a showrunner, like a, a writer who's in charge of a bunch of other writers. And then they will, they will produce that. So it's kind of like what you're talking about. They will commission people to go do that work. And uh, in, it, it, in the, Oh no, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go in, ahead. Go in ahead. the book industry, it's a little bit different. Usually what we get is we get submissions. So somebody is going out and they just come up with the content on their own. At least most first-time authors, they will just come up with something on on their own, and usually it's very closely follows stuff that they've read, and they will turn it into us and say, "Do you like it?" You know, and and we'll we will either give them feedback and help shape it, uh, you know, but uh, or or you know, most of the time we pass. Uh, that's just the way it is. Most of the submissions that publishers get, I think a, a typical publisher might accept one percent. Of, of the content that is submitted to them. With somebody like uh, Jason, he has a lot of experience now. He knows what works and what doesn't. And he is a, a student of craft and you, you can talk to him about this, but um, understanding, understanding the market is very important. Understanding what people are interested in and what's selling well, it is important. But you always wanna, there's always gotta be a big commercial idea with a twist and that's what jason's always talking to me about you know it, it's that twist that you you want the same thing but slightly different you know mm-hmm. i mean uh what, jason what was what was the uh, idea you were just talking to me about um when we were talking about that like simultaneous novel idea oh yeah like, so one of the 
case in point for that is um, The Martian, widely successful, but it boils down to the tagline of uh, it's the movie Castaway set on Mars. Mm. Yeah. So it's the same, it's the same thing. I mean, there's a, a ton of, you know, guy surviving on his own in against like a harsh environment, but what's the twist? He's on Mars, you know? So I think that is, that is uh, one of the secret sauce. You know, that's, that's one of the recipes for success in, in the entertainment industry. And that's, we're all looking, I, I mean, there is a formula for thrillers, for thriller novels in everyone that has ever watched a movie or read a novel, they kind of know this formula in their back there, whether they can verbalize it or not, they know it. So they know what, what works and what doesn't work. And you, you have to be able to understand that if you are crafting a story and to do it well. And that's why having writers that understand these concepts, having experienced writers, uh, you can really tell the difference because they're able to use that, that kind of formula, but also, add their own writing ability, their own creative ability. And if you get somebody with a killer premise or killer idea, I mean, that's, that's the perfect storm right there. It's, it's uh, man, it's so fascinating listening to this because I keep on viewing it from the world that I know, which is uh, tech entrepreneurship. And mm -hmm. I, I view you as a publisher as kind of like the venture capitalist who has the pattern recognition of what works. But, you know, part of what I really... The, the, the two things that I love is when I put myself in, in Jason's shoes, I'm like, man, I just want to effing write. I just want to like do my craft. I don't want to have to learn yeah. Google AdWords and garbage like that. Like right. I just want to do what I enjoy. And so I love that you're bringing in this backup to allow artists to really focus on their craft. And then on the flip side, Andrew, I just love for you. I, I have one follow on question to this, but I, sure. I love for you that you're bringing in a little bit more stability and a little bit more of your own background to complement what used to be just the writing aspect. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, um, what's, what's the pie chart now? Like, is it 20% writing and 80% publishing or how do you, how do you view that? Um, it, it is. So it, it used to be 50, 50, uh, when I first started, and then as I've had more employees and had to manage employees and the number of contractors that, you know, we essentially employ um, has grown and the number of authors has grown and the number of SKUs has grown. And I mean, it, it has just gotten a lot more complex and time consuming. Um, so now what I'm, what, what I had to do, I, so I just finished a manuscript for a book that launches in February, late February. And uh, what I had to do is just, even like, you know, during the COVID and all that, I, I went to a local Marriott and like locked myself in there for uh, five days at a time and just like did like batch work, you know, and I would just from early morning when it was dark out, I would write and have coffee and just do nothing but like get completely enveloped into the story and make sure that I was uh, doing everything I needed to do uh, because that uninterrupted work is so much more valuable then if you had the same amount of hours, but there were a bunch of interruptions in between, you know, and um, so it is, it is really tough in my production rate. I think in 2017, the, the year we spoke, I think I released three books and now I'm, I'm at about one per year uh, because that's, you know, that's, that's all I can realistically manage. And even that was kind of a struggle here at the end, but uh, it, it's, it's tough because especially when you're growing, because, there's always some new problem to solve. And I mean, it's business, right? But th there's always some new problem to solve and somebody new to train uh, or some fire to put out. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I think it's important that I, one, I like it. I like, I mean, I, so I just signed a TV film option for one of my uh, series, wow. which was pretty cool. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think the, the more one, there's always like new pieces of the, uh, of the job that as you get more successful, new opportunities open up and that's really cool. Um, but, but two, I mean, I actually enjoy telling a story and it's, you know, if you can have somebody enjoy your work and then have a really cool twist at the end that they didn't see coming, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, and so I, I do want to continue to do that. And I think it helps me be a better publisher if I do it myself. It's, I mean, that's from the military, you know, you, you want your officers and your leaders, um, you want them to have walked in the shoes of the people that they're leading and to actually understand 
uh, what they're asking of people. You know, if I asked Jason to suck it up and write, you know, four books in a year, like I better understand him how challenging that is. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, uh, almost impossible feat, you know, for, for most writers. And, uh, it's not something that I would ask him. It's something that he's volunteered to do. And I think he's crazy, but you know, that's, that's another topic. So, so three, three short questions. And then I, I don't want uh, Jason to start watching Netflix cause we're ignoring him. Yeah, um, yeah. The um, just, just for scale, you know, whatever you're comfortable disclosing, like, can you just give us, give listeners a sense of um, the number of team members, contractors, employees, however you consider that, like how many team members and how many authors you work with? So we have about 20 authors, uh, five employees, um, and I think one of them is part-time and, and then four full-time. And then as far as vendors and contractors, I mean, probably another 20. I mean, wow. between all the audiobook narrators and the editors and the cover designers and um, website developers, uh, marketing managers, I'm trying to... Jason, uh, am I leaving anybody out? <laughs> I mean, there's probably more and I'm, I'm just uh, forgetting, but it, it's, a, it's a lot of people because, I mean, you think about like an editor, for example, they can only work on one book at a time. An audiobook narrator, they can only work on one book at a time. A tra translators, there you go. So translators, uh, that's, that's a big ticket item. I'm surprised I forgot that one. Um, they can only do one book at a time. So you have to work with a lot of people and that's all project management. How long, you know, you, you do not want the football sitting on the ground. So how long is it going to take for this person to walk work on this book? The second that they're done, if you don't have that moving to the next stage, you're burning money, you know, yeah. and because you're paying for it. So, uh, the, we have, we have great project managers that we're training. Um, and they're actually military. One, one is military spouse. Uh, and, uh, they, they do a great job. Mm. Um, we have two military spouses on staff, but one of them is our, our publishing director and, she, she manages all our uh, project, you know, does our project management, manages all our schedules. And she does a great job making sure that there is like very low latency, you know, and everything is as streamlined as possible. One, one final, I'll just abbreviate to one final question then for um, how has having like this muscle built up around publishing, like has that impacted how you write? Has it changed is, is the, obviously you're, you're constantly changing, but I'm just wondering like the author that you are now, is he mm -hmm. significantly different than when we talked in 2017 because of these other elements? Um, I think the more, just like any, any skill, I think the more reps I get under my belt, the more books that I have written, the better I get at detecting like the BS, you know, like the, the, the filler or the fluff, the, the just bad writing, the, why did I have that guy come into this scene? Like, there's no purpose for that. You know, like I have, I've become a lot more aware of what works and what doesn't work and what is amateur and what is, you know, uh, efficient. I've also become much more of a fan of good writing on TV and movies. Um, but, uh, I honestly, so Jason, who just kind of like, you know, walked into my life in 2017, I was 2017 or 18. Anyway, I, he has been a mentor for me. So I've kind of, I, I kind of mentored him with a lot of uh, publishing stuff in the beginning. And he has mentored me, he continues to do that today as far as the craft of writing, because he is a guru as far as uh, the craft of writing. And that's something that like we've gone to seminars together and um, it, it's something that I think just, you know, technical competence or, um, you know, prof your professional development I, you as a writer you it's it's just like any other skill you there is an actual amount of knowledge that the more you learn it the better you get and that's something that I have had to keep up so I but as far as uh you know your original question how's the business and your my knowledge of business and how all this stuff works I would say my understanding of the market um and and just like the data that we've collected over like okay this novel's selling this novel's not selling and then trying to reverse engineer it and figure out why that is you know, we, we have a better understanding of what works and what doesn't now. And, um, you know, what type of ending might trigger more one-star reviews and how the one-star reviews change the review profile on Amazon and how that review profile on Amazon affects the cost per click and the relevancy score that Amazon advertising gives you and your ability to sell the book and how many books behind it, um, you know, will affect the lifetime value 
of, of that series and everything. And there's all these different interrelated aspects, I think, that are uh, both, you know, it's, it's partly an art, but it's also a, a business. And I think the more that I kind of understand how it all inter integrates and interrelates, uh, the better I, I can be at actually crafting you know, one of those pieces of art. I don't know if you call my books art, but you know, <laughs> let's be generous. And, um, and just a landscape question as we switch gears, am, am I kind of correct in understanding that there's kind of, let's say traditional publishing, there's self-published authors. Yeah. And then would you be not traditional, but more of like aimed at Amazon, like an Amazon publisher? Like, is that, is that kind of like the three buckets that you would consider? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there is, I think there's mainly like two buckets. There's indie publishing, self-publishing, you're doing it yourself. Yep. And then there's um, traditional publishing, okay. which is, you know, you, you have a professional publisher and that's their job is to publish your books, you know. Great. Now, okay. in the traditional publishing world, there's, there were five, now there's four because Simon & Schuster just got bought up by Penguin Random House. Um, but uh, there's four gorillas and I, and I would say, and then the, the fifth is Amazon itself because they have a traditional publishing arm that has many, uh, imprints underneath it. And they are, I mean, they have like Dean Koontz. They have, they have a bunch of big name authors that they have acquired. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, prime video, Amazon original videos or Netflix, how they produce their own movies. So Amazon publishing actually has its own traditional publishing house. And so a lot of the books that you see on Kindle that are bestsellers, Amazon publishing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in Seattle to their headquarters and uh, sat with those people, really sharp people. And a lot of them come from the New York publishing houses. Um, but those are the big players, you know, mm -hmm. that the books you see in a Barnes and Noble and a, on, a, on the front shelf of a bookstore, Baldacci and John Grisham and all those, those are all published by the same four companies, you know, mm -hmm. And, uh, and the big industry disruption is Amazon and the battles that we get to watch, you know, are, are quite interesting. Um, but for us, we were a, a small traditional publisher compared to those, you know, they're, they're a billion dollar company where we're in the, we're in the millions, you know, but like, they don't know we exist and, but we are eating their lunch, uh, hopefully, you know, nobody, no competitors are going to, we are doing very well on uh, Kindle, which is where a, a lot of the fiction, it's the majority of the fiction readers are, are located. And it's the, it's where Amazon, you know, is investing money and they're growing share. And um, I think if I was going to have to choose one place to, you know, one place to win at, it, it would be Amazon Kindle and probably Audible, you know, audiobooks in general. But, and those are the places that we are investing and, um, they're the places that uh, we can compete on because the barriers to entry are not what they are in the brick and mortar space. And in the, where those big four publishers have huge structural advantages. That's great. Yeah. Well, well, Jason, one of the first things that I'm, I'm curious about is, um, you know, I, I, I imagine we're constantly rewriting our histories, but when you, when you look back on yourself as a writer, where did that, was that you, were you this, third grader writing novels? Was this something um, that, that you were in the military doing? Or when did you start to view yourself as a writer or even aspire to that as a career path? Yeah, so I'm kind of an exception to the rule uh, for authors and that I never wanted to be a writer, was not even an avid reader. Um, and, you know, I read some Clancy in high school, went through Michael Crichton's backlist, but I was never, I was never really a huge reader um, and had, didn't have any desire to do it professionally. I mean, that's an understatement. I did not want to sit in a chair all day and write. Uh, and then I joined the army out of high school, uh, went to Ranger Battalion, did um, a deployment to Afghanistan in 02, the invasion of Iraq in 03, and then was accepted to uh, West Point. So I went immediately from that experience into a service academy, which is any service academy graduate could probably tell you is just an absolute recipe for insanity. So I kind of became an adrenaline junkie when I was in college. I was really big into skydiving and I started doing a lot of um, illegal base jumping uh, just under the table. And then it was in base you said jumping. You can edit, you can edit that out, right? So illegal. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, blur, we'll, we'll uh, bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> completely legitimate double felony jumps yeah. in New York City and Manhattan. Um, <laughs> mm. 
So, you know, in skydiving, I keep a logbook, but in base jumping, I, I was terrified that anybody would find out I did this because I would have been kicked out immediately. So I just had like a Word document, you know, buried in my computer that I would take out. Like I'd come back from the jump at two in the morning or whatever. And then I would sit there and document the jump. And then I started writing these longer and longer accounts of the jump and the experience of like being, you know, standing on the edge of a 1500 foot antenna um, and kind of like relive, um, you know, the experience of doing that. So I, I kind of got into writing that way. And then one day, just as a cadet, I just came up with a concept for a, um, uh, for a protagonist and just wrote a scene off the bat, just sitting in my room where, you know, he went against an opponent, both met guns and, you know, had an armed engagement and killed this guy and walked away and just had a complete adrenaline rush from it. Like looking at the door, waiting for the cops to come in type um, adrenaline. And that was when I kind of discovered the liquid crack of writing. And from there on out, um, I started, I was writing all the time, you know, when I could, I was deploying constantly once I got out and I was, you know, deployed about half the time in my army career and then training about half of the remaining time that I would have been at home. So this is like very early wake ups. So I would get up at four or five in the morning, put an hour of writing before I went to work um, and kind of strung it along that way for years um, until my time as a, um, you know, a team leader in special forces was coming up. And I knew then that was the high water mark of any job I could ever have in the military for me personally, what I wanted to do. Uh, and I decided to just go all in with writing. Um, and I published my self-published my first book uh, the day I went on terminal leave. And that was what started me on this road professionally. Was um, along that journey, was there was there this inner critic that's like, you effing hippie, what are you doing writing books, right? Or like, this is a <laughs> pipe dream. Like, was there was there this voice of just saying, this is such a absurdity? I kind of had the opposite um, in that I went into it with just total sociopathic confidence, which now in, in hindsight was completely unjustified. Um, and as my <laughs> initial year in publishing prior to meeting Andrew will attest to, um, objectively speaking, um, you know, I had no right to think that I didn't have a big background in reading thrillers and understanding the tropes and the trends and what readers expected in terms of genre convention. So I stumbled into a completely blind um, and just 100% assured that I would succeed. And I think in hindsight, that was a strength because writing is one of those professions, probably like entrepreneurship as well, where if you knew upfront how hard it was going to be and how many setbacks you would have along the way, uh, I think it's something that would weed out a lot of people. So I was naively optimistic. I, I love this sense, um, you know, when I, when I hear you're describing the writing, I love this sense that the adrenaline that you loved in both career and in base jumping and these other things like you, it seems like you, you found that in writing, but I especially like the sense that you are almost writing for yourself. Like you're enjoying the way that these scenes are playing out and you're in, enjoying the excitement. It's like, you're the first audience member. You're the first reader of your own work and you're enjoying it, which is probably a good sign that someone else might enjoy it too. It's um, I don't know why I've never really viewed writing in that way, but it's like, you're almost telling a story to yourself that you're enjoying and, and sweating while writing it. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what makes it so rewarding. Part of it is laying out a book initially and just sitting there, you know, I, I'm just sitting on the, you know, on the floor with a pillow and then I have a cork board and, you know, a billion color coded note cards spread out and just kind of having this blank canvas, you know, it's like being a movie director in your head, but you don't need a CGI budget. You don't need to deal with any actors, directors, egos, and you can manifest just any car chases, explosions, high altitude parachute jumps um, and kind of see it all playing out, plot the story and then writing it. Um, from that skeleton idea is equally fun. Yeah, it's it's a dream. I I love my, this is the best job I've ever had. I love it. And there's, if I won the Powerball tomorrow, my daily routine would be exactly the same as it is now. I love that, man. Good for you. There's so few people I meet that could say that. And it makes me so excited that you have, um, you found that. Did you, did you get out at, 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 as a captain or what, what point were you in your career when you got out? Yeah, I was a captain and I had uh, 11 years in that would have counted towards retirement. Um, and then it just come off of where I was, would have been able to go out on combat missions with the guys. And that was kind of what I joined the army for. So it was kind you of left, that 50% mark. And, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just playing this conversation. And so you're like at this point where like so much cool stuff is going to happen and you've got nine years left till retirement, which is a big deal. And you, 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 I'm imagining like a lot of the people as you're getting out are like, okay, what are you getting out for? Are you, are you telling them like, I'm going to try to write a book or like, how does that conversation play out? 
I didn't tell anybody until right before I got out, like I was about to go on terminal leave because um, I think the special operations community is very uh, memoir sensitive. Um, mm. Apparently Navy SEALs accepted, but it was one of those things like I had, I had mentors. I had one special operations mentor, a very senior guy, like advised me. I told him early on um, that I was writing and he was like, don't ever tell it to anybody. Because at the time I was applying for special forces and going to selection. He was like, do not ever tell anybody you do that. Um, which was in hindsight, good advice. So it wasn't until I was, you know, a month from actually taking off the uniform forever that I told anybody the truth about what I was going to do. What was the reaction? Were they, I mean, I'm imagining there's a lot of push, not, not, I, I, I didn't even think about the pushback of like special operate special forces and, and that whole deal in and of itself. But I, I'm imagining people being like, what are you doing? Like you're leaving the most, one of the more secure jobs and you're going into one of the most insecure jobs like did, was there a lot of pushback on just hey dude is your head on straight you know it's funny the military guys and the guys i worked with um were like awesome go for it you'll figure it out like best of luck uh it was more the people who'd never served in the military and you know idolized that concept of a 20-year pension um that were telling me i was out of my mind like you got to finish out a career in the military and then go to work for the post office and then you're going to double pension by 60. Um, so there's, I think probably an older generation. And for me, it was just people that had never been in the military that I know that were telling me I was crazy, but the guys who'd actually walk the walk, um, nobody, nobody told me I couldn't do it. Nobody told me I was crazy. Beautiful. That makes me so happy to hear that. <laughs> so what was, what was, um, we'll, we'll get into a second when you met Andrew, but you, you kind of are, are leaving the military. You drop your first book, which is, I'm imagining this, um, I'm imagining it's like base jumping, like, or what I imagine base jumping to be, or you're like, you're taking a big leap. What, what happens? Like I, I, I'm, I'm inferring that it didn't go as planned, but what does that, that first couple of months look like after the military? Oh, it was, uh, it was terrifying leading up to that hitting publish on the first book um, was terrifying. And I was waking up at two in the morning, just in a cold sweat. Like what if this gets all one star reviews and, um, and one of the things I did going in, I, I wanted to use, like, I was going to use my actual picture, my actual name. I wasn't going to do a pen name. I wanted to like burn every bridge and just go all in. Um, so I didn't really have a means to quietly back out and go get a day job. Um, so I did that and it was, it was terrifying leading up to it. And then after it, after hitting publish, um, it was all pretty natural. And I just went right into writing the second book. And that's where I, you know, fell into kind of that Zen rhythm of having, the routine where you get to create stories all day uh so it was great once i started but leading up to it was i mean hugely daunting and i'm, I'm admitting some ignorance here because i don't know your full story so the first book though does well like you kind of publish this and it it's it you get good feedback from this i got good feedback um i didn't have a huge volume of sales because you know i went into i'm like oh yeah you write a good book and you publish it and it's going to be this word of mouth spread mm. um and it's going to do great uh, whereas in actuality, the way it works, um, you know, and this is in November 2016 was when I published um, in the days of free visibility on Amazon or anywhere else in the internet, I think had come and gone, you know, organic search was dying up, drying up. Um, so I published it, I did, I was very fortunate to start to accumulate a readership, but it was a very small group of diehard people who could look past my, you know, self-designed cover and my, you know, lack of any advertising at all. Uh, there was no coherent branding because uh, for me, it was all about the story. And then after about a year, I had published, you know, I, it took me seven months to write my second book. And then I kind of, my wife had told me from the start, she's like, do six months, nothing else, just write, get it off the ground. But then, you know, we moved uh, and then she, she was getting started in her career or furthering her career. Um, and then before we know it, you know, with the transition from the military and everything else, like a year had passed, I had two books out and was making, you know, uh, an embarrassingly small sum of money every month. Uh, and that's when my wife was like, dude, maybe, maybe you should get a job. So that's when I started sending out, I did what I should have done in the first place and actually put my sociopathic confidence, my ego aside and started reaching out to authors who were successful and saying like, Hey, here's where I'm at. This is what I want to do. How do I, you know, make this a sustainable career? Uh, and it was Andrew who, who answered first and foremost, like he'd been waiting to hear from me. And that's, that was the big turning point in my career from a sales perspective. How did you, um, so you were 
so did you just kind of find Andrew because you're, I mean, it's a, you guys are in a pretty tiny world, right? Of, of like, not, not tiny, but rec- relatively small of like military veterans who become authors. Mm-hmm. So you kind of knew of him loosely on the radar and you, you hit him up as a, as a fellow author, or did you know at that point that he was publishing? I, I just checked the Amazon bestseller rankings for independently published, um, thriller author at, at that point i i had not started uh okay. server publishing so i was not i didn't have a publishing company so okay. I, I was just a self-published author yeah. huh yeah what he did have was he was at the top of the charts for all these different thriller subgenre categories on amazon um and i knew like if you know if you reach out to a big name traditionally published author you know it's just your email from my experience it winds up in their spam filter with precious few exceptions you never hear from them um, and Andrew, by contrast, just replied like he was waiting to hear from me. Um, so I just knew him, hey, service academy grad, military guy, um, and just cold called him. It was like, hey, like, what do I do? Nothing selling. Um, and Andrew, uh, to his credit, was like, hey, man, I, I looked through all your reviews and I looked through like your sales charts and your, um, you know, the subgenres that your books are ranking in. And he's like, with the quality and content of your reviews, like your sales should be way, way higher. So he's like, what type of advertising are you doing? Are you doing like Amazon ads, Facebook ads, all this stuff? And I, I just had to give him the embarrassing reply of like, I write period. Like I, I have never done any advertising, any marketing. Um, so Andrew kind of took me under his wing um, and schooled me up. He's like, look, you can't, you can't succeed this way. Start doing these type of ads. Start figuring out how to calculate your ROI. Like read this book, take this online course, um, change your covers, put on the shadowy figure, you know, facing into the distance and, and meet these cover conventions uh, that genre readers know, change your book descriptions, tweak this. So I ended up starting the advertising, just did everything he, he told me to do, um, partly because I had no options left. Uh, and, and also I could tell this guy was a marketing genius, you know, and with his Procter & Gamble background, it was, it was no surprise that when I did all of these things that he told me to do um, without changing a word of the stories or anything, and as far as my artistic vision went, um, you know, I went from scraping by where I'd be lucky if I hit four figures a month to an income, a sustainable income uh, that was more than anything that I, I would ever have made in the military um, and then scale it up profitably while continuing to generate new content. Uh, and that's where I kind of saw the light of, you know, your, your cover title, branding, book description, everything has to be in alignment. And once you get that aligned and you start running the right ads to the right readers, that's when it can really take off. How, how long was it from leaving the military and then you meet Andrew and you start to make these changes? How, how long was it until you started to see things grow? And, and maybe, maybe even as a qualifier, you got to the point where you felt like you were earning enough money that your wife isn't pressuring you, like that you're, you're kind of like stable. Is that like three years or like, what's, what's the magnitude on that? For me, it was about, um, it was about 15 months. Okay. It was about three months after meeting Andrew and doing everything he said that everything aligned and things started taking off. So if I hadn't You're... met Andrew um, or if I hadn't received his help to the extent that he did take me under his wing, you know, I'd, I'd probably have, I'll tell you for a fact, I'd have a day job right now. And you, um, were you going back to like the, the books that you'd already published and kind of tweaking them then with these changes okay so it wasn't just yes. like four okay that's that's awesome and um along that 15 months like did you did you seriously ever consider saying like i gotta throw in the towel or i'm gonna take a job or like how did you continue to persist despite um despite having like the um hockey stick growth that maybe you know people all dream about well, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I knew I probably couldn't stay staying in a day job. Um, and I did start putting in some job applications to, uh, you know, to keep the wife at bay. Uh, and then after that, it just became a matter of showing her like, hey, look, here's like, here's the royalty checks this month. Here's what's going on. Here's the new release coming out and how we're going to promote it. Uh, so yeah, basically in military terms, it was a massive delaying motion um, against the wife's financial comfort levels until things took off. That's great. I'm, I'm also curious in the story, Andrew, like, you know, clearly, clearly Jason is benefiting from this. I, I'm wondering, you're giving him this advice, you're seeing it work, you're getting this feedback about this marketing genius. How much does that influence you to say like, hey, maybe I should be 
doing this with other authors or, or had you been doing that with other authors at that point? Like what, what role does that play in your founding um, Seven River Publishing? So I, I'm sure that that was a little bit of uh, proof of concept for me that, hey, it, it worked, you know, like I can do this with somebody else too. Uh, just, just to, you know, to talk about like some of the things that Jason said, if I could, if I could just take somebody off the street and make that happen to anyone, I would be selling like a course right now and, and, you know, making bank. But um, it, I mean, you have, again, you have to have the talent and ability and it is extremely rare. One, Jason has that talent and ability and, um, you know, like this work ethic and, and desire to learn how to be better at the craft of storytelling that is extremely rare. Like that is extremely rare. And I'm talking like not extremely rare for even among authors, you know, like, uh, and so I, he kind of fell into my lap. So I extremely lucky. I, I wouldn't be able to do that with just anyone. Um, but yes, the experience that, uh, the experience that, you know, that, that taught me, Hey, this might be reproducible. You know, we, we might be able to, to do this with other authors. And I think, you know, one of the things as, as Jason's sales went up, like he quickly was starting to outrank my own books. And I was like, yeah, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to help Jason out, you know, but <laughs> no, uh, no, but as I, as I saw that, and it, it had nothing to do with the fact that Jason's books were doing well. Um, but my own sales, just, it is a normal cyclical thing. You know, you, you have book launches or you have these big like sales spikes from like a merchandising event or something. And uh, maybe a big advertising push. Um, but what goes up comes down, you know, it, every, you can't just keep uh, books up there because new books are being released all the time. People are waiting for the next in series of their favorite author or something. So the rankings are always changing. Um, so uh, again, it was about like, well, how do you get more consistent income? How do you, how do you diversify a little bit to um, like protect yourself against the risk of like, what happens when you do have a few down months in a row, you know, because if I, if I can only write, I don't want to be grinding away and never see my family and just writing until my eyes are bleeding because Amazon is a machine and their, you know, robots are in charge and they are going to, they don't care whether or not you sleep. They just are going to show people what will make the most money, you know? And um, I think there are certain activities that take up a lot of time, the marketing, and uh, the project management stuff, the business management. And one of the things about, you know, in, in business, you want to make sure that the production line is running. And if the production line, if the same guy that runs the production line also has to do the marketing, uh, then the production line isn't running, you know? And so I think one of the, uh, you know, you, you kind of hit on it earlier, but one of the benefits in, in the age of self-publishing, why does anybody need a publisher, right? You can just do it yourself. Well, I think the benefit is that somebody like Jason can focus on the part that one, he likes, hopefully the writing and um, can, can run that production line and do it more efficiently and do it, have, have greater capacity because he is doing that. And so, yeah, we, you know, Jason and I, we became, we quickly became friends and uh, corresponded a lot. And I, I was showing him a lot of uh, marketing and you know publishing ideas and he was talking to me about the craft of writing and you know both of us had a, a common love of uh beer and bourbon you know jason probably more than i do but um so you no know contest we, yeah 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 <laughs> but um you know i so we started talking about you know what what would the next steps to you know at, at png when i was in that new business creation the the guy that was in the seat next to me had a, a sign on his little cubicle and it it just said, make it bigger, you mm -hmm. know? And that was kind of all, always uh, what I was thinking about with, from a business standpoint, like I can only make my book so big. I, I'm kind of limited because of the tools that I have as a self-published author. So there are advantages to scale and size, um, more opportunities open up. If, if my account is $10,000 a month in book sales versus an account that's, you know, a hundred thousand or a million dollars a month in book sales, well, the, 
you know, your, your retail partners are going to look at you differently and they're going to come to you with different opportunities. And so I think, yeah, proof of, proof of concept with Jason, like it, if we can find more talented authors, if you can get more chickens, you can make chicken soup, you know? And so uh, I, I think what, that, that definitely helped. What I love about that, at least the, the story that I'm, I'm telling myself about it is it's that out of an act of generosity of helping out another veteran of just kind of you know, no, no skin in the game, helping someone out like that impacts your own learning and discovery and deepens this relation. Like it leads to those good things, but it seemed like it was a genuinely um, generous act of just, you know, responding to someone's email out of the blue. Um, yeah. and, and there was one thing in that email that I think uh, that I really responded to. And that was, oh my God, my wife is going to make me get a job. You know? <laughs> and, and that is a fear that I had too, you know? Yeah. And so that was really what drew the sympathy out, I think. Jason, could you just describe like, what does your life look like? Like what's the routine if you have a routine or like how do you focus on writing these days i'm up at 4 30 in the morning seven days a week um and i immediately go to uh to the manuscript pretty much on a walking treadmill and then whatever my work in progress is i like to just wake up with that manuscript like whatever it is i'm working on at that time uh and that's when i start my day and i i get some work in before my my kid gets up uh and then you know drop my kid off at school come back. I do a longer morning block um, and punctuate that with like some ability workouts and a rowing, like cardio do you, workout. Do you write on a walking treadmill? Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's a recent development. It got here a few weeks ago. So it's like the same work day. You're walking like five to 10 miles a day instead of sitting in a chair. So that's great. Um, yeah. Hopefully that keeps the uh, late onset obesity at bay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then I, after lunch, I do another writing block, um, do a, like a body weight or a, a, a dumbbell workout in the afternoon and then write till my kid gets home pretty much. And then any time that I'm not working on the manuscript, um, you know, I'm sending email updates to my readers or interfacing with my readers in my Facebook group or social media um, and just staying engaged with them and like what they want, how they're responding to the new books. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a dream come true for me. I know, I know we've only got a little bit of time here. Um, so let's, let's do this. First of all, you, your new book, newest book, The Enemies of My Country comes out January 15th, 2021. I'll add in the show notes for listeners, a link there. So you can check that out. Can you, can you kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on this book? Sure. So the hero is a, uh, a guy named David Rivers, who's a former army ranger. Uh, and he leads kind of a double life. Like at home, he has a, a new wife and a six-year-old adopted daughter. Um, who think that he's a private military contractor, but in actuality, he's, he's working for the CIA in a newly minted uh, targeted killing program, uh, which he's a team leader for. So he is abroad on a mission in Syria to assassinate a terrorist operative uh, and uncovers the details of an imminent terrorist plot, finds out that it is in his hometown and his wife and daughter are mentioned by name, um, and it's going to occur in four days time. So that is what the book is about. I got, I got chills on that. That's wild, man. I love it. Um, in, in the time we have left, I'm, I'm curious for both of your perspectives on this. Um, and, and, you know, Jason is a writer and then Andrew is a publisher. Someone listening to this, they're in the Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Navy, they're a military spouse. They, um, they want to do what you guys are doing. They want to they write. What, what advice do you have for an aspiring author? You want to go first, Andrew? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably better. I would say um, whatever whatever kind of genre that you want to write in, I would read a ton, and I would read books on writing and read a lot of books in that genre, and then just just do it, just like practice on your own and and try and write a manuscript on your own, and it's okay if it's bad, you know. Just uh, with self publishing nowadays. Anybody can put stuff out there. I, I said, you know, my own books, I, I've gotten better. I, I think, I hope I've gotten better the more reps I have under my belt. Um, and I think that that's, that's what you need to do. You kind of need to write a bad one first and get it out of your system, you know, and uh, you keep improving. But reading is crucial. You have to be able to know your craft, know your craft, but also know like your, your genre and understand like what's good and what's bad and what other good talented authors are doing um, that's working. Yeah, and I would add to that, um, 
just start writing and keep writing and continually be working on a new book, whether you're able to do it, you know, full-time, part-time, or it's a side hustle where you're getting in 30 minutes or an hour a day, set some time aside and continually write. Uh, because the two big pitfalls I see from authors that like reach out to me are one, they're either, you know, they're, they're driven into this paralysis of wanting to be an author, but never getting around to it and always putting it off um, with, you know, logical job considerations and everything. And then 10 years go by and they, they still haven't gotten into it and they're still talking about one day or B, the other pitfall I see is somebody writes one book um, spends an inordinate amount of time on it and rewriting it and tinkers with it for years. Maybe finds, maybe they're in the search for an agent. Maybe an agent has it. And then they, they just stop writing while they're waiting for Hollywood to call, um, which is just a disaster waiting to happen. So as long as you're continually working on the next book, you're going to keep getting better. Um, you're going to, mm-hmm. if you start publishing on your own or you're soliciting publishers to open submissions, as long as you're doing anything you can to make forward progress, um, you really can't go wrong. That's wonderful. We've got a, a few minutes left, so we'll start with Jason and then go to Andrew. I always just like to leave the last question open-ended because you know I've kind of followed the, the trail of the conversation here and, and asked questions that made sense to me. I'm sure there's things I didn't ask about that you know you'd love to share with listeners or just any final words you'd like to leave them with. But Jason, anything anything else that we haven't really talked about? Yeah, so the one thing uh, Andrew's touched on is studying like story craft and story structure. Um, that was something I didn't do with my first book. And then as the rewrite process got so arduous before publication, um, I realized I couldn't make a career out of winging it with each book. Like it was way too panic driven. And that's when I sat down and read um, some stuff about story structure, like namely the book story by Robert McKee, which for me is an 80% solution for all of it. Um, and just getting a little bit of understanding about the framework of story structure um, has really, really benefited me. So that's one of the things I would recommend to prospective authors. And then the last piece of advice, um, another author named Shannon Mayer, she doesn't even write thrillers, she writes an urban fantasy, but I just heard her on a podcast and she referenced craft research and I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like left your podcast, like are there any other craft books you would recommend? Um, And she didn't recommend any more books. She was like, no book will teach you more than working on your own manuscript, like working on your own next project, next book. Um, And that's kind of stuck with me to where now when I study story structure, which I do continually, uh, it's, it's something that occurs on the side while there is a manuscript being progressed every day by a certain word count. Wonderful. Andrew, anything else? Uh, no, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Inspiring. Do Do you have any other questions for me? Um, you know, the, the one last thing I was wondering is, um, you know, you, you must review or your team reviews so mm-hmm. many manuscripts. Yeah. How, how quickly does it take you to get a sense of like this person has what it takes or not? I mean, is it like the first page? Do you spend an hour on it? Like- so, um, so I don't read them. Um, but what, what usually happens, mo- most of our better, our better ones now come from either authors that have been previously published uh, by some of the big publishers or uh, agents who have already done a lot of the vetting. Uh, we do have an in-house submissions editor uh, and, and she'll, she'll typically, she tries to read, you know, the, the whole thing. She, she, she can generally tell within the first two chapters if it's just not something that is for us, but um, if she's not sure, she'll, she'll usually try and read the whole thing. And, um, but uh, one of the big indicators, and this kind of speaks to what Jason was already talking about, like get, you know, and what we've said, get, get reps under your belt. Um, usually one of the biggest indicators is have they written books before, you know, do they know what they're doing? And um, because it is a, a learned skill. And I, I do think that uh, it's really hard to just do it your first time. I mean, I look back at my, my first book and it was, and it has been re-edited and re-edited and it still has like, a lot of like things that just can't be fixed that are like, I look at it now and I'm like, Oh God, it's so amateur. I hate that that starts off a lot of the, it starts to, my, one of my main series and that's what people are going to take away when they, um, but you know, hopefully as, as uh, one's career continues, as my career continues and I can put out better stuff and maybe, maybe my best work is ahead of me. Yeah. I love it. 
Um, well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Jason. So excited to see the the big splash here on January fifteenth with the enemies of my country and Andrew. Good to reconnect with you. I hope to maybe maybe we add one more person to this three years from now, and and you've got Absolutely. this publishing Something. empire, movie empire, and everything. <laughs> cool. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with help from our Chief of Staff, Steve Bain, and our editor, Kathleen Dillon. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 330 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of more men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but we don't have nearly the resources to do so. If you know of a company that would like to advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them to beyondtheuniform.org. Third, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of beyondtheuniform.org. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll also find 330-plus episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll find a link for live events, typically four per month. You'll also find both free and for-purchase books that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.